so before the beginning of this world, Satan led a rebellion against God. He was cast down from heaven and took one third of the angels with him, and they are Satan's army, if you will. They do his bidding. Battling spiritual warfare. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. In times of war, it's often said that knowing how your enemy works is important in defeating it. And the same can be said in times of spiritual warfare as well. Today, David takes us to the eighth chapter in the Gospel of John in a message called Exposing the Devil. Hi, everyone. Uh, before I bring you the word of the Lord that he has laid on my heart as we continue this journey through the Gospel of John, and I have a message today entitled Exposing the Devil, Exposing the Enemy, so that you can know more about who he is and his wiles to kill, steal, and destroy you. I did want to share with you a moment of thanksgiving from Marilyn and me to you uh, for your prayers for our Michael last week. Our youngest son was in Omaha, Nebraska. We were there as well, uh, trying out for the United States Swimming Olympic Team. Uh, he qualified in two events, the 100 free and the 50 free. Um, he had to make the top five or six in the 100 free to be able to qualify for the team. He finished 12th and missed it by 0.4 seconds. Uh, not a lot of seconds there, is it? But that's the brutality of the sport of swimming. That is what it is. And then he qualified for the 50 free, uh, made it to the final eight, and on Sunday night on NBC national television, he came out for his particular swim, and he had his big jacket over his top. And I wanted to share this with you because it was one of the most moving moments I've ever had in all of my life. Uh, he took off his coat and there, and I think there's some pictures here, he had on his back and on his chest my 1971 North Carolina basketball jersey. You know, North Carolina number 32, and then on the back, uh, the name Chadwick, and he uh, wore that for me, and he, he, he turned on Father's Day up into the stands and pointed toward me and waved toward me, and I waved back, and then, folks, I lost it. <laughs> I, I just lost it. I, I cried and was deeply touched by that gesture of love to me that my son gave to me on Father's Day. But what I really wanted to share with you is he posted on uh, Instagram and Twitter this week uh, those two pictures of him in the jersey, front and back, and uh, right before he took that off then to swim in the 50 free. And you have to finish in the top two to make the team on the 50 free, and he didn't, but that's okay because look at what he wrote. I just think this is a fabulous expression of his faith and how I want all of you parents out there to instill this kind of faith in your children because the truth is faith is more caught than taught. And I think Michael saw Marilyn and me live out our faith meaningfully and he adopted that same faith as his own because he partly at least saw the reality of it in our lives. But here's what he posted. He said, this picture is worth it all. 50 years ago, my dad played basketball for the University of North Carolina. Growing up, it was my dream to play basketball at his alma mater. Well, after getting cut from my seventh grade basketball team, it was clear that my future was not in basketball. I worked hard and eventually was recruited to swim for either UNC or the University of Missouri. I chose to follow Mark Gangloff as the first recruit to as his first recruit to Missouri. 
As much as I wanted to follow in my dad's footsteps, I felt called to swim for Mizzou. Fast forward to 2020, Cassie and I, that's Michael's wife, uh, felt called to start a family closer to home. What better place to move than to the University of North Carolina, where Mark is now the head swimming coach. Before the 50 free, I was able to wear my dad's basketball jersey on Father's Day, my first as a father myself. Many of you know Michael had a son born about three months ago. His name is Grayson James Chadwick. Michael continues, outside of making the Olympic team, everyone comes out of the trials with a story. Praising God for one more story to include in my swimming career, Thank you to everyone for your continued prayers. The story continues. You know, folks, he wanted to make the Olympic team. That was his goal, and he didn't do it. But you know what? As I've told you so often, a disappointment is often God's appointment to something else. Now, it might be that Michael continues to swim. He's going to pray through that and try to figure it out. But he knows God's in control of his life, and he did his best, and then he gave it to the Lord. After the meet was over, Marilyn and I met with him, and here's a dad tip I want to give you one week after Father's Day. Dear parents, and especially you dads, you are your kid's father, not their coach. And I learned that especially with my other son, David, who did have great basketball skills and played at a Division I school. But I would often get in the car when he was younger and start critiquing his game because I knew the game. And then eventually I learned that, you know what, I was his dad and not his coach. So when we got in the car together after a game, I would just ask him this question, how you doing? And then just listen. So when Marilyn and I met with Michael, knowing he was a bit disappointed, I don't know a thing about swimming, so I didn't have that temptation, but I asked the question again, how are you doing? Just caring for his heart. Please, dads, moms, do that with your kids. Don't live through them. Don't yell at them and the officials at their games when you're out there in kids' parks, whatever. Just be their parents. Be their dad. And after it's all over, don't critique how they played. Just say, how you doing? Get in touch with their hearts because that will make them be stimulated to want to be everything that God wants them to be. Hey, thanks again for your prayers for Michael. They were answered. God said at this point, not now, maybe in three years in Paris. We'll see. God's in control. But remember, disappointment is God's appointment for something that he's got planned in your life. Trust him today. He's fully in control. Today's text is from John the 8th chapter. We're going to begin with verse 39 and go through verse 48. Uh, it's a powerful text and we're going to unmask the enemy. We're going to expose the devil and how he works his wiles so that we can defeat him. The context again, as John so expertly did last week exposing the verses beforehand, Jesus is basically saying, that if you follow him and abide in him and his words abide in you, you will be set free. And then he goes on to say that the one whom the son has set free is free indeed. And then he goes on to say as well in verse 37, I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. And we know since John the fifth chapter that these religious officials began to plot the demise and killing of Jesus himself. 
So he says basically that the freedom we experience in Christ is basically because we have a new identity in him. That if we love Jesus, no longer are we servants under an evil master who wants to punish us. We don't have to worry about breaking the law and God punishing us. That's the attitude of a servant. We're now adopted sons and daughters in the family of God. And when that happens, we have a new identity and we're heirs of everything the father owns. In that day, if a father didn't like his son, he would literally choose a slave whom he did like and eventually adopt him into his family. And that slave took on the father's name and had every heirship of everything the father owned. It was an extraordinary gift to a servant who became a son. And that's what Jesus is saying here. If you realize your new identity in him is as a son or a daughter and not as a servant constantly worrying about being punished, you are set free free because you know the love of the Father is so extraordinary. You know that you can't ever out His grace. You know that nothing can ever separate you from the love of the Father. It is a freeing encounter as indeed. So that is the debate Jesus is having with these Jewish officials right now. And after he gives this teaching about being now a son, not a servant, and being free in him, here's how they answered him. Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. So Jesus' word is the truth of God. He'd heard it from the Father himself. He spoke it to them. It is encapsulated in this book. This is our truth. Dear friends, that's how Jesus responded. And this is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Well, let's stop there for a second. Uh, Jesus is basically saying, I am telling you the truth. This is everything the father has told me. They said, our father is Abraham. Jesus said, look, Abraham did not behave as you behaved. Abraham was a deep man of faith. In fact, in Genesis 11, when God said, leave your hometown of Ur of the Chaldees in present day Persia and go to a land that I'll show you that will belong to you, Abraham just left in total faith and obedience to God. Then he entered into a covenant with God in Genesis 12. And God promised that he would have a seed one day. And that seed would be through whom God would bless all the nations of the earth. Well, the beginning of that was Isaac, whom Abraham had to wait for for 25 years. He had great faith. And when God visited him in Genesis 15, 6, he said to him, it is by your faith that you are called righteous now. And in Genesis 18, when God visited him with two angels, uh, Abraham was hospitable and merciful to God when he visited him and offered anything and everything to God, whatever he wanted. And Abraham was faithful in every possible way. And here's Jesus saying, Abraham's not your father because you're not behaving like him at all. Abraham was kind, compassionate, hospitable, merciful. Whatever God told him to do, he would obey it. You're not behaving that way at all. In fact, Abraham never desired to kill anybody like you're desiring to kill me. And so they then claim, who are you to speak? 
you know, you're a child of sexual immorality. They were taking a huge dig at Jesus. The rumors still were probably floating around that Joseph was not Jesus' real father. There was somebody else out there who was Jesus' real father. He was a child born of sexual immorality. And they said, we have one father, even God. They were talking about the monotheism that they did have, but not believing in a triune God one God in three persons, and that's how Jesus responds when they made this claim about having one Father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your Father, you'd love me. If God were your Father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but He sent me. Here's another reference to the fact that there's one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus said, if you really loved God, you'd love me because you would know that I came from the Father. My Father sent me into the world. Interestingly, he says, not of my own accord. For the whole idea of saving the world from its sin and keeping us from going to hell was the Father's idea. And he went to the Son and said, would you go? Would you enter into that world as a human being and live the perfect life they can't live and go to the cross and die taking the punishment for their sin upon yourself so that I can adopt them into my family, no longer them being servants, but being sons and daughters in my new family, being an heir of everything that I own. And the son willingly submitted his equality with the father in the Godhead to come save us from our sins, to rescue us from going to hell. Jesus said, I didn't do this on my own accord. I did it because the Father asked me to. And if you really knew God the Father, you would know that I am the Son and that He sent me into this world. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. It's like a veil was over their eyes. It's like some of you described to me when you share the gospel with your loved ones or friends or other work associates. It's like a veil is over the, their eyes. They just simply cannot see what God wants them to see, who Jesus really is. You cannot bear to hear my word. And then we enter into verse 44 which is the key verse in this passage. It is the verse that was read at the beginning of our message time together when I wanted you to understand this verse more than anyone else. It is about the evil one, the insights we need into exposing the enemy. Jesus said, You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Remember, Jesus said, my words are true, that I am the truth. He doesn't understand the truth at all because, Jesus said, there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So Jesus says, you people who want to kill me, your father is the enemy, Satan, the devil. The word Satan means destroyer. Devil means the divider. That's who your father really is. The evidence of it is you want to kill me. You've just adopted his very actions himself. He was a murderer in the beginning. Interesting. And he's the father of lies. So what I want to do for the next minutes together is expose for you who Satan really is. Uh, according to the Bible, he was a created angel. 
a glorious angel, an angel of light. And God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit so loved one another, they created the angels for the purpose of extending that love to them. They so loved one another, they wanted to experience that love in a greater depth, so the angels were created for that purpose. And as you read the Bible, the angels love God so deeply, they worship God regularly, and they do the bidding of God as He asks them to serve us here on this planet. But at some point, before the beginning of creation, he was a murderer from the beginning. So before the beginning of this world, Satan led a rebellion against God. And according to Revelation, the 12th chapter, he was cast down from heaven and took one third of the angels with him and they became the demonic hordes. They are Satan's army, if you will. They do his bidding. So as you look at this creature, first of all, you ask the question, well, why in the world did he rebel? And Isaiah, the 14th chapter, beginning with verse 12, gives us the answer there. How are you fallen from heaven, O day star, son of the dawn? So he was a bright, beautiful, glorious angel. How you have fallen, how you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low, you who said in your heart, now look at these I wills, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high God. But you are brought down to Sheol to the farthest reaches of the pit. So why in the world did this angel, sometimes called Lucifer, this incandescent, glorious angel of light, why did he rebel against God? Because of pride. Because he wanted the position of Jesus. He did not want to be in subservience to God. He wanted to be God himself. And you see in these I wills, I wills, I wills, I wills, I wills, this desire for power and control and oversight. So he led this rebellion in heaven because of pride. Then we ask the question, well, what is his motivation? What does he want to do? What's his job description? And if you go back to John, we'll see this in a couple of few weeks. In John 10, verse 10, Jesus said, For the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, John 10, 10, but the Son came to give life and to give it to you abundantly. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Coming up, David joins me in the studio in an insightful conversation about this morning's e-devotion. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Tony Marciano, President and CEO of Charlotte Rescue Mission. Let me ask you a question. What do you do when you stand at the intersection of homelessness and addiction? Let me put you in that person's shoes for just a second. What is it that you really need? You've probably been one of the individuals who stood at the end of the interstate ramp holding a sign that said, Hungry, we'll work for food. But you never used the money for food. You bought booze and drugs with it. And most likely, you hate your life. Your addiction has stolen every aspect of hope. 
You want to be part of the fabric of society, but every morning your addiction screams and you surrender to it. There is one thing you do need, and that is transformation. The place to go is Charlotte Rescue Mission. Charlotte Rescue Mission works from the inside out to address the root cause of someone at the crossroads of addiction and homelessness. The Rescue Mission provides free, Christian, residential, high-quality substance abuse recovery programs to members of our community who otherwise would not be able to afford such services. With a passion for holistic transformation and a love for Christ, the mission's 120-day program has transformed the lives of thousands of men and women in our community. Charlotte Rescue Mission is grateful for the financial partnership of Moments of Hope Church. Thanks for listening to Moments of Hope. I'm Jen Houston, and with me is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome, Jen. Great to be with you. In this morning's e-devotion, you wrote about the best gift a father can give his kids. Will you tell us about this? I will, because it was something my dad told me the night before I married Marilyn, now over 43 years ago. I asked him, Dad, if God should ever bless me with children what's one piece of advice you would give me? And he's the one who said, son, the best gift you can ever give your children is to love their mother. Hmm. And I'll never forget that. It was just such a powerful moment that dad had in my life, and I've never forgotten that uh, particular phrase. So what I've tried to do is to live my life, not only locking the door of my marriage from the outside, I can't Mm -hmm. get out, I made a covenant promise to my bride, but also to live in that love relationship with her, always letting her know that I'm practicing Ephesians 5, 22 through 23, the mandate they're given to husbands to love your wives as Christ loved Mm. the church. And of course, in that passage, it talks about wives submit to your husbands. And the implication there is that the husbands are godly spiritual men who seek after Christ. And so a wife would want to do that just like Jesus as the second person of the Godhead, equal with the father, purposefully chose to place himself under the father in submission to come to the world to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And husbands have the far greater problem, I think, I mean, it is difficult, I think, to submit yourself to someone. But on the other hand, we husbands are supposed to be willing to die Mm. for our wives to have life. And I've sometimes said to Marilyn, you know, I'm willing to die for you. And she says, well, be more willing to live for me. (laughs) I like that. I I get that as well, too. (laughs) But you are willing to die. But during that time period, you are married. You want to give her life. You want to bless her, help her, be all that she can be. My wife's in seminary right now. Mm -hmm. She is studying for a master's degree in theology. And I was one of those that encouraged her to do it because she's especially bright. She's Mm -hmm. got a great mind. She loves to teach. Why not do that at this age and stage of life? I wanted all those magnificent gifts that God has given her to be fulfilled. That's Mm -hmm. a way that I can love my wife, being willing to give her life in every possible way. Mm -hmm. So I just want to remind all husbands out there right now that if you have children, you want your children to grow up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. You want them to have a safe place and an environment where those kids can prosper. That best can happen if you will love your wife. You give your kids an environment where they know that mom is loved, the environment is secure, and they're going to be raised in a home that exalts Jesus, and they don't have to worry about mom and dad separating. I think this is especially powerful in our culture today where we we focus our, on our kids a lot, like in marriage and individually, a husband or a wife just put so much effort and energy and focus on the kids 
that's really in the end could be a disservice. And you're saying we need to put our energy and focus in our marriages. Yeah, Jen, not only a disservice, but dangerous to mm-hmm. the kids themselves and dangerous to the marriage. A, you could produce a bunch of really selfish kids who think the whole world revolves around them, but also dangerous that I've seen through the years in 40 plus years of ministry that when the kids leave home mm-hmm. and you've given both the mom and the dad have given so much to the kids that when the kids leave, there's nothing between mom and dad. Yeah, They've given everything to the kids, but they're gone. Now they don't have any relationship together and they look at each other and say, we're strangers mm-hmm. and often get a divorce. And that's sad as well. Well, this has been such a good reminder for me personally today. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Jen. And everybody go to momentsofhopechurch.org. There you can subscribe to my daily written Moments of Hope. The purpose is solely to give your heart daily a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We would love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. Again, come join us Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte. Our web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for revival in the church.